Okay, uh, so we talked about the fact that some of you had the, some of you listened to Nate Perry, uh, or just the radio, um, recognized when you saw this is what we do, this is how we do, sorry, recognized the song immediately, it started playing in your head, it's constantly in mind. Um, but I like the song because the song is very, it's very Katy Perry, well, Katy Perry pre-witness, because now she's very deep and introspective. But before that, that was This Is How We Do, which is all about getting nails done, get, having parties, clothes, cars, all of that, and having fun. Um, and this is not what, that's not what this is about. <laughs> Spoiler. So it's not about Maseratis or getting makeup done or parties or fun, <clears throat> but it is because, as you know, we started us off last week in ordinary time with the things we do. For those of you who are here, you couldn't have listened to the podcast yet. <clears throat> Once you have listened to the podcast, you will know that he talked about Matthew 28, where Jesus sends off his disciples right before he ascends into heaven. He gives them their last um, marching orders, their last command, uh, which is also known as the Great Command, which was to go out and to all people and make them my disciples, baptize them and teach them how to be a follower of Christ, right? And we talked a little bit about that. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about how that looks, because it's become one of those phrases, those verses, that if you grew up in church, you can say it off by heart. Um, if, but mm, when I ask you, okay, but what does it mean? It gets a little bit more difficult. Because what does it mean? Do I have to have a hose pipe with me and baptize people? Uh, after I asked them, like Nick reminded us, after I've asked them, what are you, do you know where you're going to go after you die? Um, and if they, then if your passionate question and your story about hell has made them feel warm and fuzzy about Jesus, then you baptize them. <laughs> Is that what it means? And for this, I want us to go to a story in Acts. Um, I am not going to read the whole story. You can go read it at home because we're not going to do the story in order. We're going to jump around a little. Um, as you might know, uh, no, I'm sure you know, that Mark was the first gospel, and Luke and Matthew both made use of Mark, but they also made use of other sources. So Mark was the initial plan, and then Matthew, as witnesses often do, if you think about, it, for example, uh, let's not make it a car accident, let's make it... Um, something good. Oh, somebody, uh, you're at a shopping mall and somebody has a flash mob and they ask the girl to marry them. If you talk to the people around the, if you ask them what happened, and you have five or six different people, they're going to give you five or six different versions of the story. Because every one of them is different. So Muriel, who I think is the forever romantic, is going to speak about he went on his knee, and there was this music playing, and there were flowers, and where somebody like Saul um, will be, there was this guy, there was a mob, he asked 
anti-Marian. <laughs> Which is, I mean, all of this is true. And then you'll have somebody else who'll say, who'll talk about their reactions, how stressed he was, how shocked she looked, how happy she was. It's all the same story. I mean, the story doesn't change, but the details change. And that makes the story mean something different. Do you understand? Okay. So Luke took Mark and he thought, this is great. I mean, this is what happened. Because Mark was solemn. So Mark was just, just straight, this is what happened. Um, almost none emotion, no emotion, no extras. So if you want the short version of the gospel, read Mark. If you want the very long, windy version, read John. Okay, so Luke goes and he says, this is a good story, but I want to add things because I feel like Mark, I want to add my focus that I saw in Jesus' life. Okay? And so he also has a story. At the end of Luke, last chapter, when Jesus speaks to his disciples, it's so interesting, guys, we've talked about this quite a few times, how the disciples, sure, they're so very human. Because Jesus appears to them in a locked room. He appears. I'd say that's pretty miraculous. <laughs> and yet, some of them are like, okay, so he appeared, but I mean, can we really know that it's him? Is he alive? You know the kind of talk. You always have the doubters. So he asks them, okay, pass me a piece of fish. And he eats the fish. And then those guys are like, okay, well, he appeared and he ate a fish. So this must be, <laughs> this must be Jesus and he is alive. This is not just a ghost. And he tells them, almost the same as in Mark, he says to them, you will receive someone who will help you. So wait in Jerusalem until that happens. And after that, go into Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So it's like a little circle going outwards. Luke was very, famous, was very fond of circles and moving out. And he also wrote Acts, which he, for the forgetful reader, he starts with that very same scene. So if, you've, if you read Luke a while ago and you now get to Acts, he tells you, okay, so this is what happened thus far. Remember Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, and after you receive the one who will help you, then you will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And it's beautiful because in Acts, when you follow the story, that's how it literally goes. They start in Jerusalem, goes a little bit upwards, upwards, up until the end, where Paul says he's going to Rome, and from Rome he wants to go, west to Spain. And Rome was, at that stage, the center of the empire. So once you've, read, you've reached there, then you are free to go to the ends of the earth. So it's a beautiful little how it literally progresses as well. Right, but now, typical of us humans, they've had this, Jesus appeared, he ate with them, he told them, wait, a helper will appear. And remember, what did he say? You will go to the ends of the earth, which means all people, right? That's what it implies, he didn't say it. In Acts 2, we have the Holy Spirit descending, 
suddenly the things that they didn't get in the Gospels click. And Paul has this beautiful, long speech, passionate speech, and 3,000 people come to faith and are baptized, and it's a big happening. So the gospel starts moving. And then we get to Acts 10, where we find the story of Paul on the roof. Um, I don't know how many of you remember the story, but we'll get to how it works. Uh, before I tell the story, I just want to have a look. Um, so, for those of you listening on the podcast, I asked every year to just write down either ask either characteristics of people or certain types of people who they try to avoid if they can because it affects them negatively. Um, so things that they and you can think about that as well. Things that they down selfish. Arrogant, um, <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> That's that is very good. The amount of emotion that name evokes in me. Um, so Donald Trump, which leads to anger, which leads to influencing the currency, which leads to the rand becoming less and less strong. Those are all things that are true. Uh, selfish people again, people who want your world to be a, to be about them, you have to revolve, thank you, around them, right? We love those people. People who moan a lot and who are always the first to point out the negative. Um, or, on the other hand, people who are overly positive <laughs> and who are, uh, but especially about themselves. So they are the best that has ever been, um, you know, those kinds of people, right? So it's not necessarily about the world, it's more about themselves. <laughs> this is one for me as well. Um, overly pious, and in their overly piousness, judgmental Christians. Right. I hate those guys like the plague, which makes me, I'm not overly pious, but I am judgmental. Um, <laughs> dictatorship. Ooh, people who love to uh, pump up the drama. So those are the guys who will hear half a story and then go to the next person who they know will gossip and say, "Did you hear?" Because then they see they see the explosion happening, and it's beautiful. Um, bloated egos. There are so many people like Trump is one of those. I think he's just ego. I wonder if we put a needle into him, whether what would remain yeah. other than bloated ego. Anyway, um, people who are what? Yeah. Yes, that's true. <laughs> a part of that is weird. Yes, let's not forget that that awful piece of I don't know what kind of animal that was. Okay, um, people who are. Uh, I can't think of the word for Skylar. What is that? Pretentious. Yeah. There's another word. Margaret, think about it. Hypocritical. Hypocritical. Oh, thank you. Lies. Margaret and lie. That's the next thing on the page. Um, selfishness, hypocrisy. Um, ooh, yeah, this one is 
people who herd animals and kids, normally they start with the animals and then they go on to. Um, people who think they're better than others. Oh, this is good. Um, not this is good, I mean, this is just a new angle. People who are homeless, uh, people who are addicted to substances, people, you know, well, alcohol abuse is also a substance, um, psychotic people, including bipolar, okay? Those can be really tough to deal with, so that's good. Um, things to avoid, uh, manipulation, racism or prejudice, um, drama, uh, being egotistical, entitled, narcissistic, um, people who um, gossip, which was a value in the, in the New Testament times, gossip was a thing you did. Um, <laughs> and the person is honest by saying that they also have the habit which are trying to unlearn. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> we knew that. Because <laughs> all of us have that. Okay. Um, ooh, people that are willfully ignorant. We know those people. We choose to... My mom is one of those people. Oh, it's so difficult. Okay. Um, and then characteristics. Racism, homophobia, religious prejudice. Uh, people who are obsessive about, especially the past, and then people who have hurt them in the past, who can't move on from that and forget what happened. Heal, obviously, probably, and forget. Bullies, self-centered people. Um, Petirde is uh, um, what is that in English? Angry people, I don't know, Margarit, you think so? Techie, angry. Yeah, techie, thank you, that's the word. And arrogant. Okay, for me, um, I also struggle the two types of people. So everybody else is anonymous, this is not anonymous. But I'll still do that. Um, other people who, uh, I, there's a lady who plays tennis with Sarl, who was in the congregation I grew up in, and the first congregation that we worked at. So I had to sit through um, meetings with her where she would moan about things like, you can't have guitar playing while somebody's praying over a microphone because then God can't hear. <laughs> You laugh, but these are the arguments. It's disrespectful. But then I would see her, at, and she's very, she's so pious. And I mean, I, the way I look, the way I am, is kind of semi the devil to her. So she's made very nice. Um, but then I see her at tennis, and she tells dirty jokes, and she drinks beer. Too much beer, and she, and I just think, I wonder if she realizes that the same God who watches you on Sunday is also with you on Saturday. Anyway, so that kind of thing, where you are 
one person where you think you are in a religious context, and the six days of the week that remain, you are, I wouldn't say your actual self, um, where I feel like if you want to swear that your choice, but then do it every day. <laughs> don't, don't just not do it on Sundays and then think you are holy. Uh, that's my one big peeve, it's really difficult for me. The other thing that's really difficult for me, um, or type of person, is a certain type, I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody, a certain type of Afrikaner, which is difficult to me, who are difficult to me to associate with. The guys who listen, um, any, any other beautiful Afrikaans music with deep lyrics, um, who tend to only hang around with other Afrikaans white people, and when you spend time with them, it's not even five minutes, and they start spewing the most horrible stuff. Mostly about black people, if it's an interesting day and they feel like variety is necessary, gay people, um, women, thank you very much, that's also true. So anything basically that's inferior to actually the white Afrikaans male, um, in his shorts, pluckies, with his beard, doing braai. That those are very difficult because I get so angry. I cannot tell you. Right. Why this is important? Often we hear these stories that I'm going to talk about, and we hear them and they don't really have the same effect that they would have had on the people who heard them the first time. So keep this in mind. Okay. In Acts 10, you find that I'm going to skip to the middle, where we find Peter is now in Joppa. He's living with another Simon, who is a leather tanner. And he, uh, as all good Jewish Christians do, it's, uh, it's late morning, he goes to the roof to pray. Obviously, the closer you can get to heaven, the better. No, I'm kidding. You probably just went up because, remember, their houses were small and you literally had everything in your house. Your animals were in your house, especially at night. Your animals were in the house, the kids were in the house, and it was one room. Um, so we don't know that. If we were to talk about um, most people living in townships, they would know exactly what you're talking about. So to just get out of all of that, then he goes up to the roof and he prays. And it's nearing lunchtime, so as would happen to all of us, he, his stomach starts talking along in the prayer. He starts feeling hungry. But as a strong Jewish Christian does, he presses through the hunger, he ignores his stomach, and he keeps praying. And then a vision appears. He sees the vision. The vision is of a big piece of fabric that comes down from heaven. And on this piece of fabric is every animal, bird you can think of. Anything that's, that you can kill and eat, basically, is on this big piece of fabric. And there's a voice from heaven says, 
choose anything and kill it and eat it. It's lunchtime, choose something, kill it and eat it. Which sounds great. Except, Peter being a very true Jewish Christian he is, sees that with everything literally means everything. So there are animals and birds, etc., that are not acceptable in the Jewish faith, that are impure. Like pork. I'm so glad I'm not Jewish. Um, so there are pigs and things, other animals with split hooves, which they're not supposed to eat. So Peter, he says, I've been tested before. I've heard that, that cock crow. I am not going to fail this test. I see you, God. I see what you're doing. You're tempting me. I am not going to eat. No, I will not eat of these things that are not supposed to be eaten. And the vision disappears. Ironically, this happens three times. Okay. So the first time he's like, no. Second time he's probably like, no, but his stomach is starting to crawl toward the vision. Third time he probably, knowing Peter, he probably swore a little and then said, no, this is really a problem. But as you read the text, you then hear after the thing disappears, he starts thinking, maybe God is trying to tell me something. I wonder. Okay. To bring that into our context, because it sounds like, okay, but there are animals and you should eat. What if you were praying, and it might not be lunch, lunch, you might not be hungry, but you were praying about what you should do next. And God shows you a vision with nice people, like third place people that you, I mean, where I know this is going to be difficult for you and I, but so other nice people that you want to have, and then in between these nice people, there are Afrikaners with blackies and shorts. There are selfish people. Donald Trump is on the mat. Your that's <laughs> I have to be okay. Donald Trump is on the mat. Um, that's actually a wonderful example. Uh, Hypocritical people are on the mat. Um, drug addicts are on the mat. Those that you can really see are drug addicts. People who are um, homeless, but the kind of homeless people that you wonder, are they really homeless or are they pretending to be homeless to get money out of me? I saw a comment once, a girl said, is it just her or do the homeless people's toes become less when it's winter, when they're standing at the robot, at the traffic light? Um, so you might think that they are scamming you, and lots of times they are. All of those, all of the people that we talked about here, all of them, long lists, they're also on the mat. And Jesus tells you, God tells you, go to those people, speak to those people. I don't know what you, but my visceral first reaction is, you know, we've got to speak to your wooden. Yeah, I feel that. I'm not going to do that, Jesus, because uh, these people are not good for my faith. They are dangerous. Because remember, that's, what it, that's why they avoided those things. They were given the rules, avoid these things, so God gave them to them. 
Now also Jesus came and when he was alive, he said, all of these rules were to try and help you be faithful to me. But the moment they become more important than your relationship to me, they're not important anymore. And he broke them. He said, the only rules that are important are love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Those are the only two laws that remain. All the others are taken up in them. So for Peter, when he sees all of those animals, I think his first instinct was disgust. Like my instinct is when I think Donald Trump is on the mat and I have to go and speak to him. Or the lady who, yeah, the lady in the church who's at the tennis club. My stomach turns. I get a physical reaction. That is what happened to Peter when he saw those animals. And then it becomes more understandable for us to think that he says no. This is a test. Because why did they do that? Why did God give them these rules? He gave them the rules to help them stay holy and separate and true to him. And now God is telling him those things that you thought were dangerous were going to take your faith away. They're not dangerous anymore. You don't have to be afraid of them. They're not, they can't do anything to your faith. That is a big mind shift to make. So, that lady who makes my head want to explode is somebody who can't, I shouldn't be afraid of her, I shouldn't be angry, I shouldn't feel negative about her. Because that is not the way God feels about her. Or about anybody, any of these people that we mentioned. Right, now we go back to the beginning of the story. We start in Acts 10 starts with Cornelius, who is a Roman officer. A Roman officer who was somebody who was searching for God and for a meaningful relationship. He um, he became part of the Jewish faith, but you can never ever, if you're a Roman, you can never ever become a true Jew. You were only ever allowed to be a God-fearing. Um, faithful person. So they left, which meant, which meant you could give your money, but, and they were very grateful about your money, but you could never ever be part of the inner circle. So we also hear Cornelius was part of the faith, he became a God-fearer, he was very um, generous to uh, Jewish people who were poor and struggling, and he was very faithful. But he was part of the don't go there, encampment. Now, a wonderful thing happens. As he's praying one day, he hears, a man appears, an angel, and tells him, God has heard your prayers. Send somebody to a house, the house of Simon the leather tanner, in Joppa, where you will find another Simon, Simon Peter, and Tell him he must come to you because I want you to hear the good message, the good word. How amazing and wonderful and weird is it that God, through an angel, speaks to somebody who everybody 
who was Jewish and therefore part of the true faith, would have said, can never ever be saved, must be avoided at all times because they make you impure. An impure person hears the word of God from an angel. What do we have to learn from that? We tend to, as Christians, um, <laughs> as selfish people do, who make it all about themselves, we as Christians tend to make faith and what happens with people's faith about us. What do we need to hear? God, through His Spirit, is active in the world and He goes before us. Where people are seeking Him, He is engaging with them. And it can be as direct as an angel appearing and telling, giving Cornelius specifics as to where to send his guys. And we should never ever forget that. The Spirit is not just at work in us or through us. The Spirit is at work in the world, through everybody. Why? Because God did not only have the idea of having all of us, He wanted everybody. He wants Donald Trump. That is a grace I cannot understand. Lucky I don't have to. So he is at work. Cornelius sends the guys. When they arrive, they arrive just after Peter had these visions. So he was wondering about it. And then there's a knock at the door and Simon comes up and says, Peter, there are these gentlemen from a guy from a Roman officer um, who want to see you. <laughs> and then classic Peter, again, he's like, sure. I wonder if this, the thing that just happened, whether this has anything to do with this. Hmm. <laughs> okay, but he's still unsure. But he goes down, at least he goes down. And he hears him out, and he says, okay, well, why don't you guys stay over? And then we'll go tomorrow. And he does go. And when he gets, which is already weird, you don't go. Because when you go, you make yourself impure, according to Jewish standards. So now, he has to do a whole list of things before he is allowed back into the temple, well, to the synagogue in Joppa, or the temple. But he goes. So kudos to Peter, who's still wondering about what this vision means. And then when he gets to Cornelius' house, Cornelius says, this is what happened. An angel, a man appeared, and he said, I have to do this. And then, luckily, it clicks. Because we hear Peter say, oh, so that thing that happened, that means that God has declared that nothing is impure. So, I can't say you guys don't deserve this. At least he finally gets it two days later. But he gets it. And then he says, because Cornelius tells him this, you were sent to us to come and tell us something. And Peter goes ahead, because he snaps, yes, this is what's supposed to happen, and he starts telling him about Jesus. Okay. Another wonderful thing that we hear of here, normally when people came to faith, when we hear their stories in the New Testament, 
especially in Acts, what happens is they are baptized. Once they're baptized, they receive the Holy Spirit. And then they receive teachings on how to be Christians. In Acts 10, Peter is telling them all about Jesus. And the last piece of the chapter starts with, while Peter was still talking, they received the Holy Spirit. And then Peter stops and says, okay, well, if I was wondering, I mean, I said before that surely the vision meant nothing is impure, but okay, they received the Holy Spirit without me doing anything. So that thing definitely means that God wants me to say, this is okay. Which is weird, but it's also wonderful. Because I think what could happen is that, think about it, if you were one of the first disciples, you got the order from Jesus to go out, make disciples. How do you make disciples? You baptize them, they receive the Holy Spirit, and then you teach them. What could very easily happen? I, as a disciple, start thinking, it's because I'm baptizing them. So I'm really important in this whole process. I might actually go as far as to say that I am a key figure. And yet, what happens here? Peter is still talking and there is the Holy Spirit. A reminder that who is the one that is always at work? God. Nothing that we do or don't do is going to prevent God's work. So, a little humbling might sometimes be necessary. It's also wonderful to know that God will work. But, that could make us say, but then it's fine, I don't need to worry about the lady at the tennis, or the selfish person, or the crazy person, or the drug addict, or the poor person, or the just horrible person, or the Africana, or the name them. You heard the list. Because God will work with them. The Spirit will work with them. Great. And it's true, I think He does. But what we also need to hear, that even though we are not the key we, are, we aren't the reason things happen. God still uses us. He wants to use us. I sometimes, I've often said this. Um, I don't think I've said it here. Um, but the fact that he wants to use us remains one of the things that I just shake my head at sometimes. Because we are so bad at living the lives that we're supposed to be living. Which is really not that difficult, but we make it so difficult for ourselves. And so we don't live these lives that we're supposed to be living. And yet, he still decided, I mean, let's be honest, if he wanted to, he could decide today, I'm going to appear at everyone, and great. Because if God appears, I think, I don't know, I think you would have to be deaf blind, maybe not have a brain to not say, whoa, this is amazing. And maybe I should believe in this. And yet he still decides, no, I'm going to give all of us a chance to try, to limp while trying. 
And that's exactly what he does with Peter. He doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. But in using us, he wants to challenge us. We need to be moving outside of our comfort zone. We need to smile, love, but luckily not in the romantic, not the love that we've made it, not the love Muriel thinks of, especially now that she's happily married. When she says, I love you, that's not the love we're talking about. Luckily, that's, it's not an emotional feeling love. It's a loyalty and responsibility love. So I can love the lady at the tennis. I can love the Afrikaners that I, that I have to go to brides with, in the sense that I will remain myself. So I'm not going to make racist jokes with you. I'm not going to laugh at the jokes. But I'm also not going to judge you and walk away from you. I will stay with you, even though it's difficult. Why? And more importantly, I will pray for you. Because God works, and I don't know how he's busy in those people's lives. He might, he is, I wouldn't say he might be busy with Donald Trump, he is busy with Donald Trump. But we don't know how, we don't know when it's going to happen, but we have to be there. So that when it happens, and everything comes together, we can be faithful in telling the story. Does that mean that you have to necessarily now suddenly drop all of your friends and make friends with only the worst people, all of the people on your list? No. Um, but all of us have these people in our lives, whether they're part of your family um, or part of your uh, friends of friends. There are people in your life who have these things, who are these people. And those are the people that you need to be present with, pray for, accept, because God accepts them and loves them. So when we talk about this is how we do, then this is how we do. Why? Because none of these things can hurt us, can harm us, can make us less beloved by God. So we don't have to be afraid, we don't have to be timid, we have to develop courage. And that's where I think the story of the disciples is beautiful, especially Peter. Because we are going to fail. We have failed. Most of us have lived long enough to have failed at least once or twice. Some of us much more. But that's the beautiful thing is even though they keep failing, and in the Gospels at some stage you want to start saying, really guys, do we need to give you ear tests? 
eye tests, are you that stupid? And yet, God continues to work with them. God gives them his spirit. God, if you don't get it the first time, I'm going to send it to you three times. And then I'm going to send a person to you who's going to... So God is also in process with us. And in that is peace, but it shouldn't be a peace that makes us think, okay, fine, we are saved, let's just leave everybody else. Because if I think about my story with the church lady, to her, I am impure. I am dangerous. And yet, God loved me. God loves me. So she also has to make, for her, I am, she has to make a head, a move. She has to shift her perspective. It is not just we who struggle, but the people around us who we struggle with also might struggle with us. Okay, let's pray. Lord God, it is sometimes so easy to hear these stories and to have them pass by us. May tonight's attempt at making it a little more real Lord, through your Spirit, Keep it in our hearts that we remember the visceral responses we have that we think about that is how Peter felt and yet you still challenged him and said go do this this thing that is disgusting and terrible and horrible that makes you filthy. Go do this. Lord God, through your Spirit, help us to always remember that we also received grace. that we also needed it, that we need it. Help keep us humble. But more than that, make us brave so that we, like Peter, will start sharing moving into places that we think we shouldn't, sharing with people that we might think don't deserve it. Keep us forever praying for those people, for ourselves. Keep working through your spirit. Thank you for your, I think sometimes stupid idea to Give us this responsibility. 
forgive us for every time that we have failed. And as we celebrate ordinary time, as we think about how we live the kingdom we are part of, let this be our start. Thank you for your grace, your love, but let it not stop with us. Let it flow forth from us, even to the places that we think it shouldn't go, to the people we think it shouldn't go to. Because Lord God, if you work that way, then a lot of us might not be here. We dedicate this week to you. We dedicate ourselves and everything we do in this week to you. I pray that every morning, as all of us wake up and begin the day, that we take a moment to just breathe and remember who you are, who we are. And may that flow into our day and through us into the people who share our days. We pray this in your name alone, Jesus Christ, our Savior, the one who lived all of this. Thank you for your example. Amen. Thanks, guys. Um, if I might have stirred something and you want to talk about it, then you've heard, you're more than welcome to make a date with me and we can talk about it. Okay.